yesterday um, <clears throat> I was talking about the church in Ibana and uh, I brought in a lot of references and some of them you know there was just a lot coming through my chitta um, and one of the quotes that I mentioned from the Dhammapada is it was the very very first verse of the Dhammapada and it's the very first thing I ever came across relative to Buddhist teaching, direct scripture. And you know how those things can be a real hallmark in your life. Just change, change your way of looking at things and change your relationship to yourself, to your world. So that's, that's what this statement that I read from the Dhammapada did for me. And uh, I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't quoted properly for you because it's one of those things over the years you know then you find other scripture or other lovely sayings and you read those and and then when you look at the first you think oh I know that one so <laughs> you don't review it again and then in the moment last night when I thought oh that's perfect to bring up I couldn't even remember it properly so I just want to rectify that by reading reading it out to honor it. This isn't actually the best translation. I like Ajahn Manindo's new Dhammapada, but I didn't have it in my kuti last night, so I copied out what I had. The mind precedes all mind states. The mind is their chief. Mind made are they. If with a corrupted mind one should speak or act, dukkha follows caused by that as surely as does the wheel the ox's hoof Dante would you mind getting that you're in the dust in the this is not the way I this is not the translation I first read either um, anyway so correct that and then while the venerable is looking for the new translation um, about the request to set aside for someone to teach chanting it takes years to learn how to do this chanting but um, there's an explanation in the book about how to interpret those little black triangles that go on top and on on the bottom and then the rest just learn it by listening practice listening and just do your best it's not, you know there's no right or wrong at a certain point it'll sound terrible and and at another point it'll sound wonderful and that's okay just do it with all your heart thank you here we go all states of being are determined by mind it is mind that leads the way just as the wheel of the ox cart follows the hoofprint of the animal that draws it, so suffering will surely follow when we speak or act impulsively from an impure state of mind. Good. And verse 2, all states of mind are determined by mind. It is mind that leads the way. As surely as our shadow never leaves us, 
So, well-being will follow when we speak or act with a pure state of mind. So as we think, so we speak, so we act, so we suffer. And then that comes back to the mind too. Then we sit there and feel bad about what we did or what we said or what we thought. Well, when we're on the, on the path, then we, become, we begin to cultivate that level of refinement that we actually regret what we're thinking or we realize the harm that can come from unwholesome thought. That's what, that's what we're really trying to get down to here. Is the, the bricks and mortar of how we, we put ourselves together. Don't forget, it's not coming from outside. Our thoughts, we are the architects of our thoughts. So we really have uh, great possibilities by cultivating right thought. When we hold, you know, once I get this book in my hand, <laughs> when we hold too fast to such thoughts as they abused me, they mistreated me, why don't I put he in here, or she? He abused me, he mistreated me, he molested me, he robbed me. We keep hatred alive. Good stuff, eh? Anybody here know about this? Sound familiar? We all do this. If we thoroughly release ourselves from such thoughts <coughs> as they or he abused me, mistreated me, molested me, robbed me, hatred is vanquished. In other words, we're taking responsibility for our own stuff. So, we're not believing the critical mind that keeps pointing the finger out there. We're just coming back and contemplating the Four Noble Truths. This is right thought. Remember we talked about right view? I'm going to keep on coming back to this because I found it so instructive for my own practice. That right view in the mind, which is the understanding and realization and cultivation of the Four Noble Truths all the time, moment by moment by moment leads us to overcoming all the kilesas. We can vanquish hatred. Can you imagine? We're trying to cultivate loving kindness. I hope. I mean, we're not trying to cultivate hatred. Is there anybody? I can't think anybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, e- even the people we think are, you know, Osama bin Laden, I don't think he's trying to cultivate hatred. He's just, he believes his mind. He believes that he's doing something righteous. This is a good cause. This is, you know, for truth. But it's just, it's wrong view. You see the danger of wrong view. So, he's, you know, I don't think anyone on this planet, unless they're ill, we well, we're all ill, but, um, <laughs> really deranged in, at some level or psych, psychologically very, very unwell, you know, um, would purposely cultivate hatred or anger or evil in the heart. 
So, but we don't realize what we do because we're, we're just going along ignorant, untrained beings cultivating self-hatred. Does anybody do that here? I'm not good. There I go again. I did it again. Why are they doing this to me? They're no good. Look what they're doing to me. Look what life is doing to me. Does this sound familiar? Beating ourselves up over and over again. Why does this have to happen to me? And this is a... What we're doing really is developing unwholesome thoughts based on wrong view. The wrong view of self in the mind. Believing in a self that we then have to prop up over and over again in such an unwholesome way that we are cultivating hatred or abuse. There's nobody hitting us anymore, so we have to do it ourselves. Never by hatred is hatred conquered, but by the willingness, the readiness to love alone. This is an eternal law. So that's where that came from. And the other quote uh, I'll, I'll mention later to the person who asked. However, I have some other goodies to present. Let's see where the little book will open. <laughs> now actually, what I wanted to talk about today was about the, the faculties um, the Indriya. We did mention them a little bit. We've talked about right concentration, right mindfulness. Yes, sound familiar? Um, right energy. Yesterday we talked about the way we use the four right efforts, and I can review these time by time. And uh, there's also, <coughs> there are five faculties which help us to turn the the mental capacities that we have into powers. And these are called the five bala. Now, we all have this vehicle, which is our body and our senses, ears, mouth, nose, sense of touch, taste, consciousness, and we are constantly being impacted from the world with so many sights and sounds and smells and tastes and fragrances. And so these affect consciousness. And what we have the ability to do is we have the ability to see and hear and know and smell and taste and touch. And understanding arises in the mind. Now with the five indriya, we have um, the power of faith, and with the five bala, we have the, the power of faith, the power of energy, the power of mindfulness, the power of concentration, and the power of wisdom. All of us have these powers. Supposing somebody were to present you with a new car, and you didn't use it, you just let it sit there, then would you be using your would you be using your car if it sat there? What would be the use 
of having a new car that you didn't use, or even an old car, if it works. Any car that works. If you don't get in and turn the key, you can't go anywhere. So the the same is true with um, these five powers in the mind. If we don't actually use them, then we're unable to make any progress on this path. We really can't do it. Now, in terms of the object of meditation, very important, this power of faith, sadha, all of us are here because of some kind of faith. Like, we have faith that Rex is making the meal. Right? We do. We have faith in that. And we have energy that we get from the food. And then we have the the mindfulness to go around and do things by paying attention. And then we have enough concentration to take the fork and stick a piece of food on it and put it in our mouth. And then we have the wisdom to know when to stop. Hopefully. (laughs) Or we even have the wisdom to know that we should eat. But unless we actually use these faculties, we don't turn them into to real powers, these indriya. Let's just sit with this for a few minutes. And then I'll see if anything else comes out. Notice as you're approaching the object, if you have the faith to renounce desire to do something else. If you can see clearly, cleanly, without polluting the object with your opinion about it, Trust your journey in. We cannot journey in without faith. We cannot cultivate faith unless we let go the world. Moment by moment, giving up all our stuff, finally putting down the burden to go in. As you approach the object, 
be consistent and persevering. This takes courage. For this we need energy. Courage is the food, the fuel that keeps us moving deeper and deeper pulling down the veil of ignorance Mindfulness examines and ponders, explores and investigates, and pierces the object with clear comprehension, the way you would pierce potato with your fork. You pierce the object with mindfulness. True mindfulness is sharp and strong, is aware of all the other objects, but lets them go in favor of your predominant object of focus. And then we hold it steady with our concentration, having examined it, we go right into it, we suffuse it with awareness, and we let it speak to us. This is how wisdom will arise. 
again and again letting go of the world, letting go of the old voices, breathing into the tears, diving into our experience of today, this moment. arousing the courage to look with sharp mindfulness, piercing and penetrating the breath, the deepest recesses of consciousness to rest in the knowing mind and allow insight to arise. Make sure your energy gets topped up again and again. If you can't stay awake, use touch points. If your mind is restless also, you can use the touch point. Doing the body sweeping or using a larger object such as the body itself to focus on. If you're not able to let go of the circus of thoughts, apply a greater level of faith. Really trust. You will get dinner. It's being made for you. In the same way, you will get the wisdom, but you have to look. You have to be here now. Balance the concentration and energy. So if you're putting in too much energy, adjust 
go into second gear. Otherwise you'll miss the object completely. Have the courage to feel what you're feeling. Faith and courage. Very mindfully keep your attention on the sensation burning in the heart tightness in the throat tension anywhere in the body pain keep the mindfulness there If you move too fast onto the object, your attention will slip off. So apply more attention, more concentration. Stay on the object. Suffuse it with awareness. Surrounded with awareness. Each breath arising and ceasing. Notice even the beginning of the breath as it first arises. And then as it develops and subsides, notice the ending of the breath. Know if there's any gap between the in-breath and the out-breath. Know the in-breath as long and the out-breath as short or the in-breath as short and the out-breath as long. Calming the body and gladdening the mind. Balancing the faculties. Just check in and see, are you nodding? So, sharpening mindfulness. Bringing up energy. Penetrating the object, 
and resting there. You're sitting straight and bring your attention back to the present moment. The rooster is saying, wake up, wake up, pay attention. Attention means love, to love the moment as it is. To feel the anger, the rage, the denial. The regret, the negativity, to feel the joy, the contentment, the interest. To feel the restlessness, the anxiety, the wanting mind. To feel all of it regardless of what it is. To let it arise and cease of its own accord and to wake up to its true nature.
there is a brokenness out of which comes the unbroken a shatteredness out of which blooms the unshatterable there is a sorrow beyond all grief which leads to joy and the fragility out of whose depths emerges strength there is a hollow space too vast for words through which we pass with each loss and out of whose darkness we are sanctioned into being there is a cry deeper than all sound whose serrated edges cut the heart as we break open to the place inside which is unbreakable and whole as we learn to sing. <laughs>